Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you're back with us this week and we're going to study the Bible with you for the next 30 minutes and try to answer some of your questions and help you know your Bible a little bit better. So that's what we do on this program is take viewers' questions. We've got a phone number and a website. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us and let us know what you'd like us to talk about. And that's what we'll discuss for the next 30 minutes is uh, anything you've got on your mind about the Bible. Maybe it's a specific verse that you don't understand or maybe it's a doctrine you've heard about or maybe it's just something you've heard and you wonder, is that really? in the Bible. We'll try to find it for you. So whatever questions you've got, let us know and you direct the program. When I say we will try to answer them, I mean my partner Toby Levering and I. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. I'm Steve Tandy and we're ready to uh, answer as many as we can, but we'll we start with one for our audience. See if you know what this one is. What kind of wood was the ark made of? Noah had to get a specific kind of wood to build the ark. And we'll give you the answer at the end of the program, see if you know it. Uh, looks like I drew number one today, so let's get going here. Martin Luther, viewer wants to know, did Martin Luther take books out of the Bible? Well, I've heard that rumor also, but it is a uh, not a true rumor. Uh, he didn't take any books out of the Bible. He didn't have the authority to take any books out of the Bible. He did recommend it. He, there were some books that he just didn't like and didn't think they belonged in the Bible. Uh, the Apocrypha, the extra books that are in the Catholic Bible that aren't in most Protestant Bibles, Martin Luther didn't think they belonged in there, uh, recommended they not be included in the Bible. The book of James, uh, Martin Luther didn't like that. Uh, he was a faith-only uh, theologian, and the book of James says, not by faith only. So he called it a right straw epistle and thought it ought to be taken out of the Bible. Didn't like it. Didn't like the book of Esther. Uh, it doesn't mention God, and he thought it was too heathenish is what he called it. Uh, he said he would throw the book of Esther into the river Elbe. So he, there are a few books he didn't like, uh, but he couldn't take them out and didn't have the authority to. So no, he did not take any books out of the Bible, uh, not in his <laughs> realm of authority, I guess, so uh, didn't do it. Okay. okay. A uh, viewer has a question about translations. What Bible do you base your answers on? I heard different Bibles were translated differently. Uh, well, our viewer is uh, correct in that there are different translations because the original text of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the new, uh, original text of the New Testament was written in the Greek, the Koine or the Common Greek. And those uh, languages are obviously not English and so any translation that most of our audience would read would be a translation. Or for that matter, changing to any language would be a translation. 
Uh, on this program, we tend to use the new international version from uh, 1984, the new American standard, and the English standard uh, version. What are the differences, and what are the differences in the translation, and do they matter? Well, <clears throat> there are basically two extremes when you when you look at translations, uh, if you want to think of it on a spectrum, at one end is a very accurate word-for-word -word translation. Uh, I have on my Bible in my study a uh, Englishman's Greek interlinear Bible, and it has the Greek uh, words right there in the Greek characters, and right below it the exact translation. Now that is a very accurate translation. However, it's very difficult to read. Uh, it, it, it's challenging. I mean, I, I read a lot, and it, it's challenging to read through that. But sometimes I refer to it if I want to get uh, the, the precise meaning of a word or an idea as it's translated right out of the Greek. The other uh, end of the spectrum is sort of a, a thought for thought, uh, kind of give me the gist of what it's trying to say. And there are translations that gear more for precision and accuracy, and there are others that gear more for give me the idea being conveyed. Uh, outside of the translations on the on the on the idea phrase, there are paraphrases, things like the message, uh, the living Bible. Those are not translations. Uh, those are one person's interpretation of the text. They don't make any bones about trying to be accurate. Uh, we advocate on this program that you get the most accurate translation that you can read and understand. Uh, people are at different levels in their reading and their knowledge of God's Word. If you never picked up a Bible before, you need to get one that's very easy to understand and simple to read. Now, also understanding that that may not be the most accurate translation in, in that you could get. And as you grow and mature in your knowledge of God's Word, try to find one that uh, is uh, more accurate. We want to be true to the text wherever we can. But all of that being said, most English translations and most of the variances between them are what I would call inconsequential. That is, you can you if you get one that's truly a translation, uh, you will pick up exactly what you need to know. You can get to heaven reading and studying any of them. So uh, those are the translations we use on this program. Uh, we encourage you to find the one that you can most easily understand and that's the most accurate, good, good resource for you is BibleGateway.com if you're looking for how to compare the translations side by side before you maybe buy a Bible of your own. I hope that helps. <coughs> Excuse me, Harkey, I think you told me. Uh, verse wants to be interpreted here. Our viewer says, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. All right, we'll read all of that eventually, but uh, let me preface before we read it with saying this, that this passage, part of this passage, is a, a difficult passage for almost everybody. Uh, there's two big groups, I guess you could say, within the uh, ideas of Christianity. Uh, one group we could call the once saved, always saved group. They have been taught uh, by Calvin and others that once you're saved, there's nothing you can do to change that. <clears throat> you are going to heaven no matter what. Uh, <clears throat> another group believes that it is possible to fall away. 
uh, that a Christian can be drawn back into the world, can be tempted, uh, can leave his first love and go back to living like the world instead of following Jesus. So if we take those two big camps, uh, this passage is difficult for both of them. Uh, because the once saved, always saved, read this, and it says you can fall away. Uh, but for the folks that think you can fall away and want to restore uh, people that have fallen away, get them back to following Christ, uh, this verse sounds like it says that's impossible. So, difficult passage. Let's read the verse now, and then we'll discuss it. Uh, let's start in verse 4, I believe, chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible... In the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. That really sounds like a real solid Christian, doesn't it? And it says, and then have fallen away. It's impossible to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying, once again, the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. So, there's the difficult passage. What's that mean? Well, let's read a little context around it, and I think we can get a good idea of what it means. At the end of what we call chapter 5, there's a little section that in my Bible is headlined with warning against falling away. So that's what Paul, or the writer of Hebrews here, is talking about. And he says in that passage at the end of verse 5 that the people he's writing to were immature. He said, you're still drinking milk when you ought to be eating meat. Uh, You're still babies in Christ. You haven't grown up. And he's telling them they need to mature. They need to grow up. They need to learn more about righteousness. And then at the beginning of chapter 6, listen to what he says uh, in verses 1 and 2. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And then he says, for it's impossible to restore to faith one that's fallen away that's been a true Christian. Okay, so here's what he's saying, I believe, is... The people he's writing to, the Hebrews, Christians, he said, you haven't grown up. You're still immature. You're drinking milk. You ought to be eating meat. And you need to leave the elementary truths and grow up. Get mature. uh, Learn about righteousness. And then he says, because if you've tasted God, you've been a Christian, you've been saved and all that, and you don't grow up, it's more likely you'll fall away. And once you fall away, you're crucifying Christ again, and you don't know enough, this is my words here, you don't know enough about maturity and righteousness and all that to want to come back. All you know is the basics, and we need to learn more than that. So I think he is definitely warning against people falling away, but he's mainly encouraging them to grow up, to mature, uh, to learn more about Christ. So do, let me just throw this into I think it's impossible to restore someone that's fallen away no I believe it's possible there's always hope that someone will come to their senses and turn back to Christ Uh, but I will admit it's very very difficult somebody that's been a committed Christian and just hasn't grown up and gets tempted back into the world it's hard to 
hard to get them to see the benefit of coming back because they don't they're not mature enough they don't understand that so i think he's right there all right I take it just a moment and invite you to study the Bible with us in a little different way than we do on this program. Uh, we've got some Bible study tools that we're happy to share with you, absolutely free of charge. Here's a set of lessons that we start you with. There's eight lessons in it, and it's real basic. It's just a good overview of the Bible. It helps you understand the different parts of the Bible and uh, some of the major doctrines of it. Once you get through that course, we've got some more advanced courses that we're happy to let you study with us uh, once again absolutely free of charge and you can study the bible for a long time with know your bible study tools uh, you can get to know your bible pretty well then we've got some online courses now that we haven't had before uh, just go to that website there and request that and we'll get you hooked up with some online bible studies that uh, you don't have to wait for the mail or fill out the papers you can just do them on your phone or tablet however you want to and some people like that option that's a great way to study the bible so phone numbers on the screen websites on the screen that special website i just gave you there for the online courses use any of those and let us help you know your bible a little better all right toby what's your viewer after oh someone would like to know about the holocaust their question is does the bible say anything about the holocaust in world war ii well, there are two ways to kind of take this question, and um, one is the idea, and there are some folks who believe this, that every single major world event, current of the past and even in the future, is referred to in the prophecies of the Bible. I don't personally ascribe to that view, but there are people who do, and they look at uh, prophecies in Daniel and Revelation and other places and say, well, here, here's this uh, news event. Here's uh, when this person was elected president. Here's this coming war between these two countries and all of that. Uh, I really think that's an overreach of the text. And uh, so if you're asking in that sense, the Bible says nothing about the Holocaust in World War II. Now, if you're asking uh, maybe to a broader question about the problem of evil, and why we have such evil in the world, then yes, uh, the Bible speaks much about evil and the atrocities committed by Adam's race. And perhaps a person would say, well, if God is good, how could he allow such evil uh, to, to manifest itself in our world? Uh, God has allowed evil. Uh, he's allowed men to choose evil, uh, starting all the way back with uh, Adam and Eve in the garden when God specifically said, uh, don't partake of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and they disobeyed. Uh, when Cain killed his brother Abel, uh, and then you read through the rest of the text and you see how wicked human beings had become. Now, uh, because that wickedness existed, some people jumped to the conclusion that God's okay with that, that God, uh, that was God's will. But all the way back in Genesis chapter 6, the scripture tells us, verse 6, uh, it's not on the screen, but you can look it up at home if you're following along, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. Now, this is not in today's world. This is all the way back near the beginning of creation. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. 
And then verse 6 says, The Lord regretted that He had made human beings on the earth, and His heart was deeply troubled. Yeah, see, the problem is, is that evil comes from human beings. He, he loves us. He's created us in His image. His will is that we would do His will. But He's given us free will, and therein lies the rub. We have a, a problem because we have free will, and because that free will gives us the ability to choose to love the Lord, to choose to serve the Lord, to do, to do His will, and so forth. That's what God wants. But free will means we also have the freedom to reject the Lord, to reject what God wants, to do evil instead of pursuing good. And over the course of human history, many have chosen that path, sadly. And that choosing of evil has led to massacres by Stalin, uh, uh, Nero's reign of terror, terror, the Holocaust, in modern times, abortion. Uh, th there have been some terrible, terrible things that have happened because we've used our free will in the wrong way. And yet, free will is the only way that human beings could truly choose to love God, uh, which is the whole purpose of why He created us, to love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength. Well, you can't love someone unless you have the ability to choose and also the ability not to choose. So, um, just because evil happens does not mean that God authorized it. I have no doubt that the Holocaust, just as many other atrocities in human history, broke the heart of God. Uh, but uh, that's what happens when people use their free will in the wrong way and they reject the Lord and what He wants. So. Uh, God's will was not to have that happen, and he knew that we would choose the wrong way, and so he came up with a plan, and we'll look at that one on the screen. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so, generally speaking, that's what the Bible says about evil and God's response to it. All righty. Got a question about healing. Does God still heal people? Uh, well, yes is the short answer to that. God still heals, and that's why we pray to God for healing for people. Uh, sometimes on this program we get questions about the miraculous gift of healing that existed in New Testament times uh, that Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, said they would pass away, that gift would pass away. Uh, so sometimes we answer a question about that and say that God doesn't heal that way anymore, and people get all excited and say, well, you don't believe God can heal? Uh, well, no, we certainly believe God can heal. Uh, he heals in a couple of different ways. He heals physically, uh, just natural physical. That's God doing that. Uh, I've got a little scrape on my knuckle right now. I noticed that I uh, banged it on something a few weeks ago, and it's just almost healed up. I didn't have anything to do with that. I just watched it and let it heal. Uh, that's our God gives us that ability. Uh, if I cut or scrape the upholstery in my car, uh, it's not going to heal itself. It doesn't have that God-given ability to heal itself. So God heals that way, and we rely on that and get doctors to help us and all that. But God also heals miraculously. Uh, there are instance after instance that I could cite you just at our church 
uh, where the doctor has said, no, nope, this is going to be this kind of problem or there's no hope or whatever, and we pray about it, and later we find out the doctor said, well, I don't know how, uh, but you've gotten better. The bad things didn't happen that I was sure were going to happen. Uh, we believe God heals that way, so we pray for that kind of thing. Uh, when we say God doesn't heal a certain way, what we mean is there today is not a man given the ability to touch someone or pray for someone and have them healed instantaneously, miraculously. That happened in the Bible. Uh, Peter and the others had that ability. They could heal somebody. They could raise them from the dead. And God doesn't give that gift anymore. Uh, yes, I know there are some people that claim to have that gift, and uh, they buy a lot of television time and have big rallies and make a lot of money, uh, but they don't have that gift. If they really had that gift, they ought to be in the hospitals instead of on stage making money. Uh, they don't have that God-given gift. So, yes, God heals today, both physically and miraculously, and we pray that he does heal people. We take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we're sponsored by the Churches of Christ and kept on the air by them. And so we mention some each week. And today we're going to mention the home church of Know Your Bible, the Northside Church of Christ uh, in Wichita, Kansas. That's where the program originates and is produced. And whatever your market you're watching in, uh, that's where it comes from. Uh, and if you're ever in the Wichita, Kansas area or on vacation or something, drop in and visit us. Toby and I are both there most every Sunday. I'm happy to meet any of our viewers that come by. We'd uh, be warmly welcomed there. So uh, drop in and visit sometime. We have some great programs if you're in the Wichita area. One that I'd like to mention is the Celebrate Recovery program on Thursday nights. Uh, lots and lots of people have found help at uh, Celebrate Recovery. It's a Bible-based uh, recovery system that really helps with people's hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And uh, you've got things going on in your life that you don't know what to do about, drop in and visit Celebrate Recovery some Thursday night. All right, Toby, what's your viewer want to know? Well, they want to know about church when they're a TV viewer. And they say if you have a hard time going to church, if you watch on TV, are you still right with God? Well, I'm, <laughs> it's, I'm not going to, first of all, make the pre presumption for you or anyone about one's rightness or wrongness with God. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. But I, I will speak generally. Uh, of course, we have a lot of people who watch this program, regular viewers from week to week. And some people have, uh, that I've met, I'm sure Steve has as well, say, well, we don't attend anywhere, but we watch Know Your Bible faithfully. That's kind of our church, if you will. And I understand that. And I, I appreciate their viewership, and that's... Uh, a wonderful thing. Uh, there is a reason that the Lord uh, loved, paid with His own blood, uh, bought and paid for his, the, his body, the church. And there are probably two different categories of TV viewers. I'm speaking very generally here. The first is 
there are people who are confined at home because of their health, because of physical problems. Uh, they are really unable to get out. It's uh, They're unable physically to do it, or maybe they're at great risk for their health getting worse, to be out in public and so forth. And so they really do. That's their only option. We have folks like that at Northside. They watch our live streaming service, and they appreciate it very much, but they always say, well, it's just not like being there, but we appreciate being able to be a part of it. And for those people, I, I think certainly God understands that, and you do the best you can with where you are, and God doesn't expect uh, you to do more than you can possibly or reasonably do. Now, there's a, a, a second group that they maybe they've been hurt by church people, they've been burned in the past, they've had a hard time finding a church. Uh, it's a, you know, it's hard thing to find a church that teaches the Bible and that, that does good things and, and that fits is the right fit for your family. And, and I want to encourage you to uh, keep pursuing that. If you're in the second category of people, there's a reason that the body of Christ exists. Uh, you have a part, they have, other people in that body have a part, but all of those parts work together for Christ. And when we're in the church, there's a lot of things that we get when that, that you miss out on when you're not uh, a part of a body, but you're just watching from a screen. Watching from a screen is <clears throat> passive involvement, but being a part of a church family is active involvement. And and it's uh, you know you have opportunities to encourage other people, to learn from other people, uh, to pray with and for other people, to help uh, people who are in need, to give and support mission works and evangelism and good works of the congregation, uh, to love people. I mean that's that's what the second greatest command is all about, and we learn how to do that at church. Uh, so I want to encourage those of you who can and are able to, to find a good church home. If you don't have one, you're in the Wichita areas, we encourage you to come visit Northside. We'd love to have you or any Church of Christ in your area uh, because there are so, there's so much good that can come from it. And uh, I think you'll be a better Christian, you'll be wiser, you'll be more mature uh, if you learn to use your part in the body of Christ. Let's uh, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and following. Uh, the writer says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So seek out opportunities to be a part of the body of Christ, to grow in the body of Christ. You'll be blessed for doing so. All right. Viewer wants to know, do I believe it is the end times? Uh, yes, I believe we're in the end times, uh, but I'm not selling the house and going to the mountaintop to wait for Jesus' return. Uh, I think we're in the end times, but I don't know how long the end times are going to last. So that's my answer to the question. Uh, the Bible says that the <clears throat> Messiah is going to come in the latter days. Uh, that will be the end of times. The end is near. Uh, and I think we've been in the end times since about 33 A.D. or thereabouts, whenever Jesus went back to heaven. Uh, we've been in the end times. We're winding things down. So far it's lasted 2,000 years almost. Uh, how much longer God's going to be patient, I don't know. Things are getting worse and worse, and I know every generation says that, but we can look around us and see that it is getting worse. There's a lot of false doctrine. Uh, people call evil good and good evil. All those are signs of the end times. 
read Second Timothy chapter three sometime, verses one through four, and it tells you what's going to happen. Paul, or the writer says, this will be a there will be terrible times in the last days. And then he lists a number of things that people will be like, and it's right off the front page. It's the way we are today. So, yes, I think we're in the end times. How much longer it's going to last, have no idea. God's going to be patient until he stops being patient. So, uh, yeah, we're in the end times. Let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today before we quit. question about the ark and what kind of wood was it made out of. It was made from gopher wood, the Bible says. And if you don't know what kind of gopher wood is, gopher wood is, well, nobody does. We're not sure what that is, but uh, that's what he was supposed to do, and he made the ark out of it, and that's why the ark floated. Glad you've been with us today. Hope you come back next week for more of your questions. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.